When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Families have a lot going on. Let Ollie help manage the mental load with new cognitive health supplements for everyone four and up, like delicious Lolly Focus Pops or Lolly Mellow Pops for kids. And for parents, try three new Brainy Chews to help you focus, chill out, or get energized. Find these cognitive health buddies for the whole fam at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, the two greatest inventors of the 20th century, Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla, and their battle over their last invention, a telephone that could talk to the dead. And Edison saw that market. He was fascinated by the new science of the period that we could talk about, but he saw a market the market of the bereaved. And he thought, gee, if all this talk about quantum mechanics, if that's true, then maybe these life units that make up human consciousness could be contacted after death. You don't need a Ouija board, you don't need tea leaf, you need a scientific device. And that scientific device is a pencil-thin, narrow light beam. And if I can just induce the consciousness of a recently deceased person to cross that light beam, that'll register on a meter. And if it registers on a light meter, I'll know that there is consciousness after death. This podcast is brought to you by Canada's decontamination specialists, crime and trauma scene cleaners. Crime and Trauma Scene Cleaners is committed to helping people when tragedy strikes. Their objective is to restore safety to an environment in the most professional and discreet manner possible. To contact Crime and Trauma Scene Cleaners, visit crimescenecleaners.ca. Call 1-866-724-0800, 1-866-724-0800, or email them at info at crimescenecleaners.ca. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. 
Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Monday. Author Bill Burns is here to discuss the two men who really invented the 20th century, Thomas Edison and Nikola Tesla. Before that, just a reminder, I'll be hosting Coast to Coast AM this coming Friday, November the 29th. Hope you can tune in. And if you're not sure how to listen, go to coasttocoastam.com and click Affiliates to find a radio station in your area that carries the program. Nikola Tesla and Thomas Edison Two men who largely created the 20th century were were bitter rivals, one credited with developing alternating current, the other pushed for direct current. Uh, But both of these geniuses also shared a quest to talk with the dead. That's right, both these giants were working on some type of spirit phone. Co-author of uh, Edison versus Tesla, The Battle Over Their Last Invention. Uh, Bill Burns is a New York Times bestselling author, a magazine publisher, a New York literary publishing agent. He's written and edited over 25 books and encyclopedias in the fields of human behavior, true crime, current affairs, history, psychology, business, computing, and the paranormal. Bill Burns, welcome. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And thanks for inviting me to the show. My pleasure. We should also mention uh, your co-author, Joel Martin. Yes, Joel uh, and I have written, uh, this is our one, two, three, four, fifth book. Wow. All right. So he's like Lennon and McCartney. When you find somebody you like to work with, you stick with that person. That's true. And you just hope Yoko doesn't come around. (laughs) There's always a Yoko. Uh, So... Tesla and Edison, I mean, they couldn't have been really more different, these two. You had, of course, Tesla, Serbian immigrant to the United States. Edison grew up in Ohio. His father, I understand, was a, was a Canadian. Um, he's a, um, he was kind of living in exile in the U.S., wasn't he? Yeah, I mean, uh, Edison's father was actually an illegal immigrant um, from Canada. Aha, all right. Now, um, Tell us a little bit more about, uh, we don't have a lot of time to spend on this, but just give us kind of a, uh, a thumbnail sketch of each of these, these gentlemen, Edison uh, and, and Tesla, because as I say, very, very different. Well, they were both very different people to begin with, but um, Edison uh, realized at a very young age, or well, a very young age for an inventor, that you don't invent something that nobody wants. I mean, that sounds kind of basic, but the first thing Edison put together, one of the first inventions Edison came up with was an electronic voting machine. Wow. And he tried to sell it to um, a bunch of political parties, a bunch of politicians. But the politicians wouldn't buy it because their answer was, why would you buy a machine to register votes that you couldn't change? <laughs> so Edison realized you've got to sell your inventions to the right audience. That Brilliant, actually, when you think of it. Yeah, he, because he, he really blended a brilliant mind with a keen business sense. He invented, he invented modern technological marketing. So for all the great inventions from the middle of the, from the beginning of the 20th century, right through the 21st century, they all followed Edison's, um, Edison's model, which was find a market, define that market and the, and, and the consumers in that market, figure out what that market needs, then invent something and sell it into that market. So he's the guy who invented the modern motion picture industry, 
the modern telephone industry. Alexander Graham Bell invented the first telephone, but Edison perfected it, and he invented the modern recording industry. So the three biggest industries today all combined into your device in your pocket on a smartphone, thanks to Thomas Edison. Tesla was absolutely different. Tesla was a cutting-edge inventor. He believed that inventions should push the envelope of human experience. So he was looking at ways to distribute free power, the wireless transmission of radio waves, the wireless transmission of video, and the discovery, the search for the discovery of new radio frequencies that would capture the voices of the dead. But at the same time, he invented the modern municipal power grid based on alternating current, and he invented the modern transformer. So, as you say, very different. Edison was almost like, I guess, if he were alive today, he'd be like a Steve Jobs. Oh, yeah. I mean, Steve Jobs, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, they all take a page from Edison. Mark Zuckerberg, for example, started Facebook as a dating app for Harvard students. And it grew and grew, and people realized, wow, this was a real great way to meet other people and communicate with people wirelessly. Um, Steve Jobs reinvented the modern computer. Bill Gates, another fabulous story about being in college. In college, he realized that the language, the computer language, being taught by George Kemeny, basic, uh, could be a language anybody could use to program micro, uh, computers. Then when the Altair 4 computer came out, what Bill Gates did was he took, it was um, open source, copyright free, that language brought it to the Altair 4, and the, and, and the modern age of personal computing began. So all three people realized what the market was, they had an inspiration for what could satisfy the needs of that market, created that device, and that became Facebook, Microsoft, and Apple Computer. There you go. And Tesla, uh, God bless his soul, was uh, kind of ahead of the curve, but maybe over, you know too he- ahead of the curve for his own good in terms of at least certainly his financial security. Absolutely. Tesla tried to convince J.P. Morgan that wireless electricity, the wireless transmission of electric power, would be the golden age of the future. Free power for everyone. No longer having to pay for power. You just flip a switch and the power comes on. The, the whole battle between AC and DC... Edison was uh, was not above uh, playing some I would I would call it some dirty pool uh, in terms of trying to convince the public that uh, DC was the better way to go. Uh, talk to me a little bit about that. Well, Edison was underhanded in the way he approached the whole uh, competition between AC and DC, and he was um, first of all Edison had invested heavily in direct current because he'd already built a power station. 
He'd built a power supply facility in New York State, so what he wasn't about to do is change everything just because Tesla came up with an idea for alternating current. But there was a real distinction between the two when it came to the amount of power along the supply lines. One of the things that Edison argued was that because alternating current had such a high power that if, for example, somebody touched a power line, the person would be immediately executed. Tesla's response, Tesla's, how his fix was that he invented the the, uh, transformer, and the transformer basically steps down the power from the supply line to the individual house so that the voltage is it'll shock you but it's safe right but to prove his point what edison did was he arranged a demonstration he went to new york state his lab was in new jersey in uh, menlo park he went to new york state and he said do you have a prisoner on death row that you're about to execute and they said yes we do and he says well the guy's name was richard camler he was a murderer and edison said let me build you an execution device. I'll do it for nothing, and it'll save you all the money. Well, the dev- it was a trick. The trick was that Edison was going to use full-power alternating current into a chair that would kill the person. And so he would demonstrate that alternating current was lethal. So Edison hired a, a construction expert, actually build a chair, and then he wired it with direct alter- with alternating current, full-on alternating current. Now, Westinghouse, who had invested in Nikola Tesla's alternating current, protested. He said, you know, this is, this is false advertising because nobody's ever going to be touching a full-bore alternating current line, but Edison prevailed, and they built a chair. Now, this could have been a scene out of the Tom Hanks movie, Stephen King's Green Mile, right, right. where um, they sat the prisoner down, they strapped the prisoner in, they wired him up, they put the, over his head, they put that cap over his head, and they threw the switch. And what happened was the prisoner started to burn. Smoke arose from the chair, but the prisoner didn't die. He was in convulsions, but he didn't die. Oh, dear. Then they did it again. Finally, the person's heart stopped. Well, the New York papers said the prisoner was Westinghoused. Oh, ho, ho. And so that was how Edison tried to prove that alternating current was lethal. But Tesla got his revenge, because when it came time for the 1893 World's Fair in Chicago, Tesla bid to light the whole World's Fair for $1.1 million. Well, the people in Chicago said, we can't do that. that. That's outrageous. We can't spend that much money. Tesla said, fine, I'll cut the price in half. Edison said it. I'll cut the price in half. That was GE. And he thought that doing that would basically guarantee him the job, the contract. What he didn't know was that Tesla came in with a bid at 400000 He won the bid. So that was this real, almost violent anger from Edison to Tesla for outbidding him on the Chicago World's Fair. And of course, it was a major success. It was the city of light. 
And that's how Tesla was able to show that alternating current was perfectly safe and brilliant. Sure enough, alternating current, which is what we use today, won out. But Edison wasn't finished. By the, by the year 1920, this is after World War I, when the United States yeah, was in mourning over the loss of an entire generation of young people. Just in mourning. People, families, wives who lost their husbands, parents lost their children, lost their sons. And Edison saw that market. He was fascinated by the new science of the period that we could talk about, but he saw a market, the market of the bereaved. And he thought, gee, if all this talk about quantum mechanics and uh, the fact that quantum mechanics have an attraction among them, uh, Einstein's spooky action at a distance, if that's true, then maybe... These life units that make up human consciousness could be contacted after death. You don't need a Ouija board. You don't need tea leaves. You don't need a wrapping, wrappings on a table. You need a scientific device. And that scientific device is a pencil-thin, narrow light beam. And if I can just induce the consciousness of a recently deceased person to cross that light beam... That'll register on a meter, and if it registers on a light meter, and I can see that dial move, I'll know that there is consciousness after death. Didn't Edison, wasn't Edison also inspired by a near-death experience of his own? Right. That would come at the end of his life. That would come uh, around the year 1930. But this was a full five or so years, ten years before that. Right. But Edison, it sounds like, and based on what I'm reading from your book, that Edison wasn't wasn't a believer necessarily in the paranormal. He believed that all of this could be explained scientifically. Absolutely correct. Edison believed that there was, that there was no such thing as the paranormal. There was only the normal that for, uh, for which science we had not discovered yet, and that was Edison's quest. Edison's quest was to turn the paranormal into the normal by exploring it with science and proving that there was a science to what everybody was claiming was spirituality. That was his ultimate, that was one of his ultimate goals. And so that's exactly what he tried to do. So he built this device, but he had to make sure he had no way of knowing if how to bring the consciousness of a dead person across that beam of light. That's why he hired mediums, clairvoyants, trance channelers to use their respective forms of kung fu to induce a clutch of electrons to cross that beam of light, get pinged by the photons in the beam of light, and prove that science can demonstrate that there, that we do not die, that consciousness lives after the death of the body. Bill Burns is with us, and uh, he is the author of, or co-author of, Edison versus Tesla, the battle over their last invention. I'm trying to imagine if the, the press or 
the uh, the board of directors or the shareholders at Apple, for example, got wind that Steve Jobs was seeing a psychic or was making decisions based on tarot card readings. I mean, was there blowback for Edison when or if word got out about his his latest work? Absolutely true. What happened was there were stockholders in GM, in I'm sorry, GE. There were uh, politicians even his own family. And worse, America was very much a puritanical country in 1920. And church groups and the 1920s version of the moral majority, remember what happened right after the war was that the um, church groups had successfully managed to prohibit the sales of alcohol in America. So you're dealing with America during the age of prohibition, when um, people were going into um, bars and going into distilleries and, and, and breaking open the barrels and pouring out the liquor in the street. This was that time. And so people began writing to Edison, accusing him of communicating with the spirits, communicating with demons. They accused him of being a demonologist. Stockholders in GM wrote to the board saying, what are you allowing this man to do? He's, he's actually destroying the value of my stock. He's destroying the value of the company. And so the board turned on Edison, and Edison's family said, what are you doing? What are you experimenting like this for? Don't you see the reaction in public? So the experiment ended because of popular resistance to the idea of talking to the dead. They thought Edison was somehow satanic when he was doing that. Didn't they, didn't they uh, all mentions of his work, wasn't that expunged from his journals and so forth as well? Yes, Edison wrote um, a very lengthy chapter on life units and communicating with the dead and the whole nature of life and extraterrestrials as well. How human beings were formed from floating life units across the galaxy that, uh, that came to Earth. He argued that rocks were alive, that dirt and soil was alive, that everything was composed of life units. We couldn't understand some of those life units, but everything was alive. Well, the family was so frightened by what Edison was writing. Were these the delusions of a 70-year-old man? What was going on here? So what they did was they expunged, they cut those chapters out of his journal. Well, one of the things that happened was a very early version of that journal with that chapter included was published in France. And a number of people in France retranslated that back into English, and it made its way back into the United States. But that is called the Lost Journal of Thomas Edison, and it's available now. Anybody can read it. And, and how about uh, we're heading into a break in a few minutes? But uh, and 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 conversely, Tesla was a, was a big believer in the paranormal, was he not? Oh, absolutely. Tesla believed that ideas would come to him in dreams. He believed in dream visitations and dream visions. He believed that in uh, uh, that inspiration could be um, psychically received. And so as a result, he made him, he was an early believer in what today we call remote viewing. And he believed 
that uh, there were extraterrestrials that communicated with us. In fact, even a hundred years before C-SETI, the search for extraterrestrials, Tesla did that with his radio frequencies, sending out these bizarre, these, these, uh, these um, odd radio frequencies out into space with messages to alien worlds saying, communicate with us. Wow. Uh, I wasn't aware of that. Again, so so ahead of his time, but again, too ahead of the curve for his own good. Uh, and so what did Tesla's device, I mean, uh, did he, I mean, he, he wasn't a great note taker, was he, Tesla? He did write in his journals, and he dictated his journals for sure. And he wrote, um, actually, he wrote very copious plans and very copious wow. notes. In fact, one of the most um, among his famous notes, his when when he died, and he died penniless in the New Yorker Hotel in mm-hmm. 1943, roughly about uh, 13 years after Edison, 12 years after Edison, and when he died, the FBI broke into his hotel room, and they took all of his notes, and they sent all of his notes to the Office of Alien Properties. And after the war, in 19, uh, actually in 1946, um, the country of the new country of Yugoslavia that was now run by Marshal Tito demanded from the Office of Alien Properties all of Tesla's notes because they were going to do the Nikola Tesla Museum in Belgrade. And all of his notes were sent to Yugoslavia for that museum except for one set of notes. And those were Tesla's notes on anti-gravity. Yes, yes. And where those notes eventually went, those notes went to Nathan Twining at Wright Field. Nathan Twining, General Nathan Twining, was the head of the Air Materiel Command at Wright Field in Ohio, and he was the officer who received the debris from the UFO crash at Roswell. More of my conversation with Bill Burns when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. This episode is brought to you by La Quinta by Window. Your work can take you all over the place, like Texas. You've never been, but it's going to be great because you're staying at La Quinta by Wyndham. Their free bright side breakfast will give you energy for the day ahead. And after, you can unwind using their free high-speed Wi-Fi. Tonight, La Quinta. Tomorrow, you shine. Book your stay today at LQ.com. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Thank you. 
You know, it occurred to me that there may be some of you who love the idea of the Life Change Tea Super Strength and the Formula 13 teas from GetTheTea.com. You know, the ones I've been telling you about for months, the ones I drink every morning without fail. But some of you folks that are on the go might be saying, I don't have time to brew the tea. Well, no problem. Let me introduce to you the D365 Bundle. It comes in capsule form. It's a mild form of a colon cleanse. It helps to aid in digestion and it helps to detoxify from outside intruders, just like the Life Change Teas. And again, it's a great option if you're on the go and you don't have time to brew the tea. I'm on the GetTheTea.com website now and I see it's on sale. The D365 bundle is usually priced at $132. That's for four 60 pill bottles. Well now, it's available to you at a special price of just $100. But there are all kinds of specials happening right now at GetTheTea.com, but you won't find these amazing products in any store. You'll only find them at GetTheTea.com. Theoretical physicists say that there's as many as 12 hyperdimensions. Here are just three of them. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Conspiracy Unlimited. Pretty cool, huh? Uh, here's an extra one. Conspiracy Unlimited. Hey, how about one more? Conspiracy Unlimited. And the great thing is we have six hyperdimensions left. Conspiracy Unlimited. Five. Bill Burns, the co-author of Edison versus Tesla, the battle over their last invention is here. Bill, we were we were talking about uh, how the FBI and the Office of, uh, uh, of Alien Property swept in uh, very quickly after Tesla died at the New Yorker back in 43. I can't help thinking how history would have been different, how the world uh, would have been different uh, had Tesla and, and um, Edison not had that silly feud uh, imagine these two working together, cooperating, and uh, instead, what was it? It was kind of a joke or a bet, and Tesla just walked out, and and uh, they never they never collaborated again. What was the source of that feud? Well, the backstory is that uh, Tesla was working in Europe at the time, and Edison was the inventor of his age. This was late 19th century. Edison was the inventor of the age, and it was Tesla's dream to work with Edison, because Tesla had conceived, and, and here was the uh, other difference. Tesla conceived of a device where instead of having just a simple, a, a turbine-like electric motor that would generate electricity, he thought that if you could swing that um, the pole between positive and negative alternatively, that's like um, walking up a hill. If you're walking along a flat surface, along the flat pavement, you're going to exert a certain amount of energy. But if you're walking up a hill, you have to exert that much more energy to get to the top. And that's the premise that defines alternating current from direct current. Because there's so much more power that's built up by swinging that, the, uh, uh, that pole between the positive and the negative, you're building up more and more power. And that drives the current further, and it drives it at a much higher power. That's called potential. 
what he tried to convince Edison of when he came to the United States specifically to work for Edison was that he would get it would be more cost efficient to have greater potential generated by your generating motors than it would with direct current. Edison thought he was a fool and said, that's, that's so dangerous, you're going to electrocute people. I don't want to be sued for electrocuting people. What are you, crazy? So that was the basis of their dispute. But Tesla kept on working for him. And then one day, it was late in the week, Edison approached Tesla and said, look, one of my power generators over on Pearl Street is, is failing. I need you to fix it, but it's, it, it's vital that you fix it, vital. If you can fix it so that by Monday morning it's up and running, I'm going to sign a check and I'll let you fill in the zeros. Well, Tesla was enthusiastic. He stayed up for 48 straight hours working on that generator, and he fixed it. And when he said, Mr. Edison, maestro, I've, I, I've fixed it. Can I have my check now? And Edison burst out laughing and said, you thought I was serious? I was kidding. Oh, dear. Tesla oh, quit dear. on the spot. Edison thought it was a joke, and Tesla took him seriously. Well, either he thought it was a joke then, after the generators were fixed, or he didn't think it was a joke when the generators were broken. Remember the old story of the doctor and his patient. Patient goes into a doctor's office and is screaming, Doctor, doctor, there's a bone stuck in my throat, a chicken boat, I'm dying. And the, doctor sa- and the doctor said, well, I'll do what I can. And he says, doctor, I'll pay you anything you want if you can just take it out. Well, the doctor takes it out. And he says, I'd like my payment now. And the guy says, you thought that I was serious? <laughs> there you go. Imagine, though. Had uh, a Tesla uh, continued to work with Edison, I can't imagine how, with with Edison's business sense and and Tesla's just sheer vision, the world would be rem- as remarkable as it as it is because of those two gentlemen. I can't even imagine what what uh, the world would look like today. What was a Tesla's uh, version of of the Spirit f- uh, phone? Did it did it differ wildly from Edison's? Oh yes. What Tesla believed, and this is, the, this is the, the early 20th century version of EVP, what Tesla believed, and it's also the early version, uh, the early 20th century, uh, 20th century version of C-SETI, what, what Tesla believed is that we were awash in different radio frequencies. You remember, if you remember the old Superman comics, when Superman had to um, capture light waves from the past or capture sound waves from the past, he'd fly into space way outside of Earth and then turn on his super hearing or his supervision, and he would see light waves coming from Earth, and then he would actually see into the past, just like we do when we see a distant star system. Right. We're actually seeing into the past. Well, the same thing with sound, which we actually know about because um, when two black holes collided 1.3 billion years ago, those gravitational waves just crossed the planet Earth. That's exactly what Tesla believed, and that proved his theory correct, that waves were eternal. And his, his thought was that if we could only capture the right frequency, we could listen to the voices of the dead. 
Ah, that's but a distinction there. He was he not talking then about? Uh, so in other words, there would be uh, waves of every every voice, every voice ever uttered uttered throughout history. But those voices wouldn't have consciousness, would they? They would just be echoes from the past. Yes, that's exactly true. They'd be echoes from the past. That's exactly what he believed. So that would negate two-way communication. Right. But at least he thought he would prove, because Tesla's version was, could we prove there's life after death? But then he thought, what if we could transmit on the same frequency we were receiving? Ah. We could do that would they respond to us? In other words, was the consciousness still active, or was it simply free-floating? And that's why he was trying to ping the voices of the dead to see if he could transmit a message on that frequency, whether they would respond. Now, Tesla didn't have to worry about a board of directors and nervous shareholders, so I'm guessing he was far more uh, open about this research than Edison was. Did he write more about it? Do we have a better idea of what his device might have looked like? Yes, we do, because he wrote about it in his journals. And here's the fascinating part about it. Tesla had people spying on Edison, and Edison had people spying on Tesla. So as they both tried to develop their respective inventions for talking to the dead, they were each spying on each other to keep track of one another's progress. Wow. And did um, did Tesla, uh, did he get any closer to actually building, because uh, as you pointed out, Edison had to sort of give it up, uh, this research, but did Tesla actually attempt to build a, a prototype, or was it simply theoretical on paper? No, no, Tesla did attempt... Tesla did attempt to build a prototype, and here's, and here's what's so fascinating about that. Where Edison ran into problems because he was accused of being demonic in his desire to talk to the dead, where Tesla would run into trouble was he would run out of money. I mean, the problem was that Tesla actually managed to burn, talk about burn rate for new um, uh, proofs of concept, Tesla was running out of money at a phenomenal rate. Right. He, would, he would line up investments from J.P. Morgan, from uh, George Westinghouse, from other investors, but the problem was that he would spend money wildly, and he'd run out, and he'd go back to them for more money, and quite frankly... They would simply, they would say, look, the well is dry. I've spent what I could spend. Show me the invention. Show me what you have. Show me how it's going to make money. That's exactly what um, the Chase, uh, that's exactly what J.P. Morgan once said to Tesla. He said, I don't understand this business of wireless transmission of power. How am I going to make money if I give it away for free? Exactly. You can't meter it. But I invest. That's right. So he pulled the funding. He basically shut it down and said, it's a great idea. I can't see where you make money. But but the back to the, the, the prototype of Tesla's spirit phone, I mean, what would it have looked like? Well, <clears throat> Tesla's, uh, it would have been a radio. I mean, it's basically you're looking at what um, Tesla built uh, out on the edge of Long Island, that big radio antenna. Right. Uh, and he would try to find the right frequency for listening to voices of the dead. 
And in fact, he actually managed to build that tower. He actually managed to build a tower in Colorado Springs, and he actually managed to build a tower all the way out on the edge of Long Island. The, uh, the, the problem was that, A, the neighbors complained, <laughs> and B, so. the army complained, because they believed, this is at the very outset of World War I, that they believed that the enemy, the, uh, the Germans, would use that tower for their own transmissions. So they just knocked it down. Ah. I'm wondering if Tesla's theories or Edison's theories uh, f- for this spirit phone, whether they were used in the creation of uh, what's called Frank's box. This is another device to, to communicate with, with the dead. Supposedly, I, I, I would allow for two-way conversation. Do you know much about uh, Frank's box and whether they borrowed from Edison and Tesla? Well, everybody borrowed from Edison and Tesla. But, but, uh, but Frank's box was more of a, a radio frequency device than it was Edison's um, using light to ping electrons. Um, the thing about Tesla was that everybody, everybody tried to build off Tesla. I mean, for example, take, take radio transmission. Marconi might have been the first person to... Um, I mean, there was a race between Tesla and Marconi to be the first person to transmit radio waves, to transmit uh, waves uh, wirelessly. Right. Now, the Supreme Court, uh, at the outset of World War II, Marconi held the patent. And it's funny because the person who had worked with Marconi was uh, the founder of the national broadcasting company, uh, Robert Sarnoff. That's right. He was, he'd worked with Marconi. And that blossomed, and this is how this works, that blossomed into the um, national broadcasting network, which was a radio network. Eventually, that became, that was bought by General Electric, and that was founded by Edison. Now, Tesla disputed Marconi's patent. He said he was the first one to transmit radio waves. Finally, at the beginning of World War II, Marconi, who who was a fascist, he supported Mussolini, wanted to charge the United States for patent infringement for using radio transmissions and not paying Marconi for the use of that patent. The United States took Marconi to court, and the Supreme Court ruled that Marconi would lose his patent. They didn't grant it to Tesla, but they ruled Marconi would lose that patent. Hence, Marconi, according to the Supreme Court, was not the inventor of radio. Now, we could decide who the inventor of radio was. Was it Marconi? Was it Tesla? Or was it a Canadian, Bill, Reginald Fessenden? That's exactly right. He was the other person involved in that patent who claimed he was the first to do wireless transmissions. And, and Tesla was probably also on the leading edge in terms of television you know, before the uh, the Russian inventor whose name escapes me. Uh, but but Tesla also was was probably responsible uh, for television ultimately, wasn't he? He was. Tesla in his journals wrote, and and he made that speech before the um, Engineering Professional Society. He said, if you could transmit voices via radio waves, why couldn't you transmit images, video images, via radio waves? So he conceived of television transmission before anybody else.
He didn't invent it, but he conceived of it. And in fact, in there's a, there's this um, wonderful um, a comedy from the 1920s called Skidding. It was written by um, um, Oriana Ruverol. And in the play, this is the beginning of the Andy Hardy series that was made into all those Mickey Rooney movies in the 1930s and 40s. Right. In, in the play, Judge Hardy's father, this is in 1926 when it was on Broadway, the, um, the, uh, Judge Hardy's father says he's going to go watch television. This is in 1926. Wow. Holy smokes. Uh, you know, we just have a couple minutes left here. I just want to ask you, and I get this question a lot from from people. Uh, in fact, my own mighty Aphrodite asked me tonight before I left for the radio station, why is it we're only hearing about Tesla now? Uh, you know, uh, his, his name is not mentioned in any of the textbooks, uh, at least certainly when I went through school, and I'm guessing it's probably the same today. Why has he really been... Uh, sort of shut out of, of of academia in terms of uh, you know people what, what people learn in school. Well, people uh, know about alternating current, but the fact is that because Tesla was so far out on the fringe that he really that uh, the Tesla until I would say the 1950s and 60s has really been excised from scientific history. He's always been seen as somehow paranormal. He was talking to aliens. He believed that, I mean, among the things that Tesla believed, and, and also his devices run counter to capitalism. For example, here's what he believed. Rather than have municipal power grids, why not have every house equipped with a series of mirrors that would capture the sunlight and amplify the sunlight to boil water. Well, if you boil water, that would turn a generator. If you're turning a generator, that would create electric power. So every house would have its own electric power. But that's what's being advertised today using solar cells and solar batteries. Exactly. Even the idea of simply decentralizing a power grid, uh, you know, with all this talk of, of North Korea and an EMP explosion uh, and, and knocking out power grids, and you know, it, it's pretty dire uh, if that were to happen. If exactly. We had... I mean, about, uh, about eight years ago, maybe, yeah, eight years ago, um, Bill Scott, Mike Kamados, and I, Bill Scott worked for the NSA. He was in the Air Force. Mike Kamados was a Naval Commodore. The three of us wrote this book about what would, it's called Space Wars, and the sequel was Counter Space, and it was what would happen if, in fact, the North Koreans detonated a nuclear device in near-Earth orbit to knock out all of our satellites. Bill, you're uh, looking into a crystal ball. That's what would happen. We would be blind. And then in the book, of course, China takes advantage of that by launching a nuclear attack on the United States fleet. Bill, it's like you use Tesla's spirit phone and you uh, you communicated with uh, the future or something. Remarkable. Bill, congratulations uh, to you and your co-author on Edison versus Tesla, the battle over their last invention. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Well, I thank you. Thanks very much. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back with a few words on an upcoming episode. 
If you're a fan of this podcast or my weekly radio program, The Conspiracy Show, or my YouTube channel, Strange Planet, I hope you'll consider becoming an official donor. A donation of $50 a month places you in the star chamber. $20 a month is the whistleblower tier, and a donation of just $10 per month makes you a truth seeker. Star Chamber and Whistleblower members can participate in an exclusive monthly online chat or video conference with me. And all donors are entered into a monthly draw for Strange Planet merchandise. Any monthly amount is welcome and greatly appreciated. To become an official donor, go to patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Patreon.com forward slash strange planet. Coming up next on Conspiracy Unlimited, Hollywood's darkest secret, the director of a new documentary on pedophiles in Tinseltown. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at conspiracyunlimitedpodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. Whether your pursuit involves a bachelor's, master's, or doctoral degree, GCU's learning environments are designed for supportive networking and collaboration. With over 330 academic programs, GCU provides a path to help you fulfill your dreams. The pursuit to serve others is yours. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu.